0: Let us pray. God, we thank you for this day, and we are so privileged to be in your house and to hear the testimonies of your work and to sing praises to you uh, through song. And God, we just thank you so much for Jesus, and we thank you for these stories today of the work of Christ. We thank you today for the ability to exalt the name of Christ And God, we just thank you for the joy and the rest and the peace and the comfort and the rescue and the presence that that name means for each one of us who know you today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, again, I'll say uh, thank you to the men who have shared today and to those who have contributed to our worship this day, whether giving voice uh, to worship or to testimony. We praise Christ for this. And my desire in this uh, message is to uh, complement really much of what you've heard uh, today from from these ones that have shared and to draw attention to what it means to follow Jesus specifically this day uh, focusing on uh, this men 's day what it means to follow Christ as a as a man and with that i'll draw our thoughts to 1 Corinthians 16 verses 13 through 14, if you'd like to turn there in your Bible. And I want to build off a a call for each man here today to consider, you know, manhood is not ultimately fatherhood, manhood is not ultimately husbandhood. These things can be a part of what it means to be a man. But whether you're a boy today or you're 99 today if you were created by God to be physically male when you were born then you are a man physically and internally and in all the other ways there may be different ways we act or think or speak as men and that's a gift from God the variety of what it looks like to be a man in the church house today but we are all men who were born physically male and God has a specific excuse me can't get that word out, specific way he's calling you to live, and a specific way that he's calling you to live out an example. So as you consider that today, you think about manhood, ladies, this message is for you as well, you're not left out here today. As you see men around you in the the church, maybe men in your own home, uh, boys who are growing up into men, as you consider the principles of God's word today that we're calling our men up to. Uh, Be an encouragement in that, and be a prayer in that. Uh, Call the men around you in the church house, in your own house, uh, to follow the example of Christ, gently and lovingly encouraging them towards the cause of the gospel. So again, we're in 1 Corinthians 16, uh, verses 13 through 14, and they say this, Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. In this section of this letter to the church at Corinth, Paul is writing to the leaders of the church, but he's really writing to all the men in the church, calling them to a standard. You know, ultimately, it is when men follow Christ that women, wives, children, and the church know how to follow Christ as well. God has set up a system that looks like that. And so when a man, whoever he may be, whether it be a husband, a father, or just a person, single and on his own, when men live and emulate the example of Jesus, they set an example for everyone else who uh, sees them, observes them, and is with them in their own household or otherwise. And so in this passage, God's Word provides really five principles of biblical masculinity. And so all males today, I want you to evaluate your life. Uh, with these principles in mind. Some you'll find you're excelling at, others you need to work in. Let today be a day of rejoicing in the ways God has matured you, as we've heard already in these testimonies. Certainly there's more who can share in their life. And let this be a calling in the new ways he's leading you to grow. Now, when I say five points for our regular attenders of Starnes Cove, I don't mean uh, twice the sermon length, so don't get concerned. And I shared uh, during our deacons meeting this week that I would be sharing a briefer message, and there was actual vocal laughter that occurred in the room, so I don't know what that means. but So the first point this morning is to be watchful. As men, we have to be aware of what is going on around us. Jesus said, if the blind guide the blind, both will fall into a pit. That's from Matthew 15, 14, and as God has set up this system to have men set an example, as we lead, we must lead people in the ways of Jesus. Many men in our society, dare I say, many Christian people in our country, maybe our community, are asleep, or just focused upon certain things in their life, like are the bills paid, and is the grass cut, We need to be attentive in all ways, not just in these practical matters of everyday life. We need to know the condition of our life, our own life, spiritually. We need to know the condition, men, of our own life physically, and we need to take responsibility for the condition of our family, physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, recreationally, all the ways that one could take responsibility for another. We need to know what is going on in our wife's life, in our children's lives, our parents' lives, our siblings' lives, our close friends' lives. There are many passages in scripture that tell us to be watchful and we do that by taking the same level of interest in our families and our close associations God has put in our life as we do our hobbies. So, know your child and your friends and your family's life as well as you know the football team's roster, maybe better than that, or your car's internal workings, maybe better than that. Know their hopes, know their passions, know their fears because you asked and didn't just assume that you knew them already. Don't just know their biography. Don't just know your family, your spouse, your children, your friends, your church members' biography. I know where they live. I know their name. I know who their mom is. But know their fears. Know their hopes. Know their heart because you asked. And then lovingly and gently help them to move towards Christ in all these ways that you can in their life that is what it means to be watchful that is the call of men today in the church and that is what it means to be biblically masculine the next point is to stand firm this is the second thing listed in verse 13 so don't ride a spiritual ro- roller coaster tossed around by whatever new belief has arisen or maybe more than that whatever new feeling you have don't waver or retreat when the truth is challenged Specifically Paul says to stand firm in the faith. That doesn't mean you're ready to fight when something out in the world challenges the Bible so much as it means you're ready to correct yourself when you begin to waver in faithfulness because you're challenged or you're pushed by your own desires or by what it is easiest to do in life. Have convictions, men built upon the word of God, and stand with them. Take the truth of God's word, desire and chase after learning it. That's where conviction, that's where truth, that's where principles come from. And reshape your life in every area when the word of God confronts you in a place that you're called to grow and called to mature. And as you do that, the changes you seek to see in your wife, your children, your friends, your church, your culture will occur, but it begins with you. Christian men take a stand first against their own desire to go their own way, and then in the face of a complicated world, never moving from the word of God. But standing firm also means we must have compassion and love for those we disagree with, as Paul closes in the end of 14. Compassion is not compromise. We should show respect and love to everyone, but there are some basic truths in this life that we must stand on and hold to. That is what it means to stand firm. That is what it means to be biblically masculine. And then next, we're called to grow up. This next phrase is act like men. Some translations say be courageous or be brave. Really in Greek, this phrase here means something like play the part of the man. Play the part of the man. Meaning whether you feel like it or not, if you were born male, you are called and made by God to live this way all of the time. So when you feel like a godly man, act like one. And when you don't feel like a godly man, act like one. Doing what you say you will do, not making excuses and owning your failures and shortcomings. Manhood is about responsibility. Christian manhood ultimately is about biblical responsibility. Men are given a charge to lead, uh, to provide, and to protect. Lead ultimately by example, mind you, not lead by dictating commands, but lead by living a life that looks like what it's supposed to. And then provide for and protect and take responsibility for the home, for the church, for the community. We have limitations. You can't take responsibility for every person you come across. You can't take responsibility for every church in the neighborhood. You can't take responsibility for every lost soul in the world. But where God has placed you, take responsibility. Jesus came to the earth as a man, and as a man, Jesus exemplifies and empowers us to walk in his steps, to live as he lived, to act like him, ultimately to act like a man. He made sure the disciples had their needs met. He made a whip and drove out the con artists and swindlers. He cried when his friend died. He stood up for a woman caught in adultery and defended her against judgment that looked like condemnation. He called the Pharisees snakes. He was redemptive when Nicodemus came to him, seeking to draw close to him. In the book of Revelation, Jesus is riding a white stallion with a sword and a robe dipped in blood. His name is called the Word of God, and all the armies in heaven follow him. And he will strike the nations, and he himself will rule them, the Bible says, with a rod of iron. And this is the same Jesus, who in all that power and glory was so compassionate and so patient and so gentle that he allowed himself to be spat upon Whipped and nailed to a cross so that his accusers could be rescued. Jesus shows by his example it is the horse riding into battle and it's the hug, the sword and the sympathy. That is biblical masculinity. That is what it looks like to grow up. Then we are called to be strong. Strong in faith, certainly. Some think that being a man means bench pressing three hundred pounds or dunking a basketball or fighting a bear with your bare hands. Has anybody done that by the way? Repent. You haven't, okay. First Corinthians ten twelve says, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Godly men admit their own weakness and are strong, but in the Spirit of God. Jesus does not just give us his strength. He is our strength. We all have weakness. Being strong isn't outward physical strength, although that can be helpful, certainly, in life. Being strong isn't the sheer force of your loud voice and aggressive attitude, although sometimes, but rarely, that has its place. Being strong is you internally knowing you are weak, as shown by your ongoing sin, and counting on God to keep you, and counting on God to hold you, and counting on God to strengthen you. A strong man is a weak man who knows he's weak and counts on Christ moment by moment to strengthen him to live the way that God's calling him to live. So he doesn't look like a loud and aggressive man. Most often he looks like a gentle, patient, sure, and confident in Christ, by Christ's word alone type man. That is biblical masculinity. That is what it looks like to be strong. And then finally in verse 14, we are told to let all that we do be done in love. We need real faithful, biblically masculine men who are in love with Jesus, in love with their families, in love with God's word, in love with his bride, the church, in love with the things of God. Men who are not angry and violent and crude and abusive. Men, tell your wife, your son, your daughter, your mom, your dad, and even your buddies that you love them and mean it. Some men act like the Bible, Jesus, and the church is for women and children. The Bible is for men. The church is definitely for men and women and children. Jesus is the ultimate man. Jesus was compassionate and courageous in all that he did. In 1 Corinthians 13 we focused on this some weeks ago here at Starnes Cove. Paul says, if I have not love, I am nothing. Without love, we become militant. Love is doing what's best for someone by pointing them to Christ and his commands. So to love is to patiently, kindly, winsomely, and gently point people to what is true and sure and strong and absolute, which is God's word. I mean, we are just messengers here. We are not the truth and within ourselves, we have nothing to be sure and confident of, as Cody shared in his story. But because of Christ, we can be absolute and sure because the word of God is absolutely true and the God we serve is absolutely on a throne this morning. We are kept faithful to Christ when we remain humble and gentle, communicating this sure truth of God's word in a way that draws people to him, and that's what it looks like to love. And that is biblical masculinity. And so, men, the call this day as you've heard these testimonies, you've heard praises to God through song, you've heard these principles from 1 Corinthians. The call today is to test yourself by this and grow from it. Women, pray for these men here as they do, and be patient as we grow. This morning, as we reflect upon what it is that Christ has done through his death and resurrection, the example that he has set for us and what it means to be masculine, we're going to take part together in the Lord's Supper today as a sign of our trust in God, our love for him. And so I'm going to call our deacons forward to begin preparing We practice what we call open communion here at Starnes Cove, which means all Christians, whether you're a member of Starnes Cove or not, can participate. And we are brought together at this time for really a few primary reasons. Christ told us to take part in this ritual until he returns. And so we take part as a church family in the Lord's Supper as a sign of obedience to God and our faith in him. But we're not here to reenact the Last Supper The bread and the juice are not the physical body and blood of Christ. This is a symbol of Jesus' death and what it means for us. The bread symbolizing his body broken for our sin and the juice representing his blood shed for you and me. We take part as a community with one another, this is really a family meal together as we celebrate under our Father and our Savior and rejoice together as a family with one another. We also take part in the Lord's Supper, ultimately, above really everything, as a time of repentance. We're told in 1 Corinthians to not come bearing something against our brother, and so this is a time for us to forgive and to commit. The Bible tells us that like Jesus' body would be broken for us, Jesus broke the bread and he gave it to his disciples. The significance of the broken bread is the symbolism of Christ, the bread of life being broken on the cross for our sin. At the first communion, what we call the last supper in the upper room, Jesus describes the breaking of the bread in these terms. This is my body broken for you. Although not a bone of Jesus's body was broken on the cross, his flesh was torn and broken by blows and rods and fists, by whippings and scourgings, by thorns, nails, and spears. His body and soul were divided from each other by death, and by that brokenness, the word of God tells us you and I are healed. As his people, we participate in his sufferings, being broken by sin as he was broken by the punishment that was due us. He willingly received that, and so we receive redemption.